Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. In this episode, you're going to learn from Dr. Sadia Mian. She lives in Michigan. She works full-time as an endocrinologist. After completing an undergraduate degree in psychology at the University of Michigan, she went to medical school at Michigan State. After completing her internal medicine residency at St. Joseph Mercy Hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan, she went back to Michigan State University to do a fellowship in endocrinology. She has a passion for holistic and integrative and functional medicine and has spent many years learning how she can incorporate this into her practice of endocrinology to better serve her patients. She's also an author of two books and is currently writing two more. She is a self-certified joy expert and is on a personal mission to support people to create more joy in their lives on a daily basis. She's known as the holistic endocrinologist. And this interview is fun. We cover all sorts of things that are very applicable. You have to listen to the end when she shares an exquisitely touching poem about joy. But you'll also learn ways that you can affect your own hormones in simple, actionable steps. So listen to this podcast episode from Dr. Sadia and your life will be changed. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Sadia. I have to say, when you live in Michigan, there's lots of potential for hormone disruption. And you're about to meet Dr. Sadia, who is just an amazing endocrinologist. In fact, the holistic endocrinologist. And I am just so tickled to be able to have this conversation. We're going to cover all sorts of topics. I predict we just start talking and we'll see what happens. But Dr. Sadia, I am so glad you're here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dr. Lara. I am so excited to be here. Yes, I love that you and I both embrace this um, abstract concept. I love talking about flow and creativity. You love talking about joy. And that is something that bubbles up from within. And I would love for you just to explain why joy is so important to you and what do you feel we need to know about joy? Yes, I love that. Also, I realized that we were talking about very much a very similar thing, which you talk about it under the umbrella of flow. And I talk about it under the umbrella of joy. Why is joy so important to me? Why have I made this my word? My journey started when I look at my journey of becoming a physician and much like you, like you talk about in the right brain rescue, we go into medicine with this dream of serving humanity helping people, helping people with their health. That was my vision. I grew up seeing my father, who's an ophthalmologist, serving people, not only in our community in Michigan, but when we would travel back to my parents' country, Pakistan, he would provide free medical care to people. To me, that was just one of the most beautiful things that one could do with their life. So I went through medical school, went through residency, was going through fellowship, 
as you know, it's a grueling journey. That journey does take a toll on us physically. And part of it is because we are spending so much time serving. And yet I didn't know the basics of how to take care of myself, especially when it came to nutrition. We had maybe a few lectures in medical school about that. I knew nothing about how to eat healthy. That This was pre-internet time. Right. Where where you can just learn so much now being on the internet about nutrition, but also just even taking care of myself from a perspective of, am I balancing out my right brain and my left brain? Right. Yeah. Right. Going through medical school, we are very much using our left brains, the intellectual, the, the cognitive, that's what makes us good doctors, right? Right, And And we're good at it. Most of us are very good at high achieving and getting things done. So we kind of get lost in that, right? Absolutely. And especially being an endocrinologist where we care about numbers to the decimal point. We care about the thyroid hormone levels, the TSH, is it 0.001? Is it? So there's a lot of that going on. And what I didn't realize is that I was really ignoring my poor little right brain Mm -hmm. and I was ignoring my heart. Mm -hmm. And what I learned after going through this process, I actually came across uh, when the pandemic started, something that I believe was a gift to me was a, a leadership program that I joined thinking that it was going to help me to take what I learned of functional medicine and start applying it, maybe start a practice. But what I ended up really discovering was, whoa, I am I need to give some attention to this other part of me. I need to give attention to my right brain, which includes creative things, which I know you talk about a lot. So your listeners are, are probably experts on this now. So things like painting, art, uh, being out in nature, anything that flexes our creative muscles. And right. the other thing, yeah, the other part of it was really learning how to get out of my head and into my heart. Easier said than done, right? Yes, yes, it is easier said than done. But the, the beautiful thing is, it isn't a G.I. Joe who says knowing is half the battle. <laughs> I love this. Oh, this is good <laughs> retro knowledge. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you know, growing up, we heard that all the time on, on, the, on the cartoon, But it's true. Once you just become aware of it and start becoming aware, wow, I am really just kind of stuck in my head right now. Whereas I really want to come down into my heart. And why? Because our hearts are where our beautiful, beautiful emotions like joy, gratitude, Mm -hmm. all of those beautiful emotions, love live Mm -hmm. in the heart. That is beautiful that you discovered this fount of just, you know, a nugget of hidden energy and you're tapping into it very more often. And it's there in everybody that is in healthcare. That's why we joined much like your father. We want to serve, but why do you think it it becomes duller in a lot of us in training? What, what do you think happens? Do you think we just, I mean, I know that we aren't suddenly evil people that aren't wanting to serve, but why do you think it's so hard for us to tap into that? The process of becoming a physician as you know, is, is grueling and it does require us to spend a lot of time mastering 
the the knowledge, the information, the books. And there's can be a toxic culture there as well mm-hmm. of competition. Of course, as you know, it's very competitive to get into mm-hmm. medical school, to get into residencies. There, mm-hmm. there can be some cutthroat competition as well. So the atmosphere in general, back when I was in medical school, I'm not sure if it's changed now. Mm-hmm. It, it can be, it, it can take a toll on, on how one spends one their, spends their time. Um, I remember before medical school, I used to paint. I took all these art classes. And I remember when I started medical school, I, I stopped painting. Right. And, you know, I used to tell myself, no, it's, it's not important. I don't have time for sure. it. Sure. Like, what's well, the point? Yes, I'm not an and, artist. Yes. You know? <laughs> all those things. And you're right. I just had dinner with a medical student last night, you know, and when we had dinner, I was asking her, you know, how, how things are as a medical student, because like you just mentioned, I wondered, ha- has it changed? And I'm not seeing that it's changed because there's this feeling of constant foot on the gas. Like if you Mm -hmm. aren't doing something that can ensure that you'll get that residency that you want, that you'll match, that you're, you're moving ahead, then you're a slacker. There's no way you can relax and just pick up your hobbies because there's this mentality that you need to always be pushing ahead and be competitive. And it's sad to me because this is absolutely going to help us stay in our careers longer if we can continue to practice what makes us human, which is joyful and loving and opening up our other ways that we have fun as adults, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what was that pivotal moment for you where you mentioned, you know, did you start painting again? Tell us where you are at now. That's a great question. So as I mentioned, I was in this leadership program where it became apparent to me that I was, you know, not really spending a lot of time in my heart and in, in doing those joyful things, being joy. And I'm actually writing a book right now about my whole journey. And there's a chapter entitled The Summer I Took My Shoes Off. Oh, I <laughs> so I discovered that I really love being in nature. And I love just taking off my shoes and socks and putting my bare feet on the grass. And, you know, just that connection with nature is, is so grounding and it it brings a certain peace and calm to me. And I, and I find joy in that even just seeing greenery around me, this brings me to another point is oftentimes we think of joy as this sort of happy go lucky state that one must be in all the time. And that's the only way to be joyful, or that's what joy is. We, we picture, uh, you know, maybe people dancing around or just doing like on a roller coaster, you see that, Mm -hmm. you know, expression of just pure joy or people laughing, but joy can be so many different things. It can be very calm. It can be serene. That's, that's what it is. It's an internal feeling. It's an internal state of being beautiful. So yeah, that was one of the things I discovered. And I discovered that even the little things that I, I do just doing them more mindfully can can just lead to more joy. So I drink tea every day. But really just drinking tea uh more mindfully allowing myself to take that time to just be present. Um you know realizing oh I'm stuck in my thoughts, learning how to come down and just get out of out of my head mm-hmm. at any moment. Um those are all tools that I learned. 
I love that. That's so great to wrap it around the topic of joy. I cannot wait to read your book, by the way, because I know you well enough that I'm sure it'll be such a joy to read your book. <laughs> and as an endocrinologist, I can imagine this will impact hormones everywhere because joy has got to be balancing for your hormones, I would imagine, as a lot of us are stuck in sympathetic overdrive, high cortisol. Tell me more about how you feel that joy can impact hormones and health. Yes, absolutely. It does affect hormones. As we know, when we are in a high stress state, our cortisol level goes up, rightfully so. It's doing its job. But nowadays, we don't, if we don't take, make a conscious effort to relax after a stressful situation, then we are in a state of chronic sympathetic overdrive where the cortisol level stays chronically elevated. This is the whole, we look back in time, the fight or flight, when people used to be, need, need to run away from a tiger, for example, the cortisol goes up, it does its job, but then it comes right down afterwards. And nowadays, certain things lead us to be in a chronic state of stress all the time. Of course, that high cortisol level, all the hormones are related. So it starts a cascade where it ends up affecting all of our hormones. We, we look at our, our happiness hormones, you know, dopamine, serotonin, all of those, those get affected. Um, even hormones like estrogen, progesterone, uh, for males, testosterone. We see this, for example, in patients who are, they come in with irregular periods. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be due to what they're eating, but sometimes it's just, they're stressed out. Mm -hmm. And that tells us that's a very telling sign that you are chronically stressed and it is affecting your body. And emotions are energy. Oh, yes. Can, yeah, emotions carry an energy with them. And if we look at our bodies, we, we are energy. <laughs> you know, we communicate, all the molecules communicate with each other through energy. So we are in a way very sensitive and yet also resilient. <laughs> so small changes can have a big impact on, on every cell in our body. And yet we can be resilient. We can train our bodies to be more resilient in the face of stress. Part of that is I was listening to a lecture by um, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, and she brings up a really good point because when I talk about joy, I don't want this to become sort of a, a another avenue to beat oneself up and judge oneself and say, why am I not joyful? I get, I can choose joy. Now, while I do believe that we are powerful more than we think, and we can change our emotions, we can choose them, but it can lead to, again, self beat up and what is now known as toxic positivity. And so what I like what Dr. Barbara Fredrickson says is that it doesn't mean that the good emotion has to push out the bad emotion, but can we hold two emotions at the same time? So there's something stressful going on. There's something quote unquote bad going on, but can we at the same time also experience another emotion, joy? And she talks about a ratio. So there's a critical ratio of sort of positivity um, positive events to negative. And she states it's about three to one. So we don't have to look at ourselves and 
say, okay, if I'm not 100% always feeling happy or feeling joyful, there's something wrong. And just understanding that, yes, there's going to be some things that are not ideal, not the way we want them. But guess what? There's so much that is um, that we can still find joy in. And I would say the ultimate is when it becomes such a state of being, a practice, and it becomes your state of being, we idle at joy. It's no longer really dependent on let me find something to be joyful about. It is I am joyful. Oh, I want to pause. I love that statement. We idle at joy. That is so perfect because you're right. In this whole universe, we don't want to have toxic positivity. The world is dark and light. The world has evil and good. The world is yin and yang. It is there. And when we encompass all parts, even all parts of ourself, that's how we can raise our, our frequency. And when you idle at joy, or creativity, because it's the same kind of thing. And flow, mm-hmm. you idle higher and you idle in a more balanced state because your brain is primed, like you said. When you get practiced at incorporating and looking for things to incorporate in your day that helps you find joy or flow or whatever words you want to use, you naturally feel better. And that's what your brain wants, either to avoid pain or to feel good. And you're you're helping yourself find this safety within uh, because no one's denying that the world is full of darkness, but we can't concentrate only on the darkness without inviting some light in there and having this balance out. And I love that statement of idling at joy. That's that's so wonderful. I think, you know, when you learn about how hormones are impacted, that can really help the chronic disease of everybody if we can learn to idle a little bit higher, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. That set point. You know, when you raise that, that set point and, uh, where we are foundation. Yeah. I I love that too. Yeah. It's, it makes sense. You know, when you're talking about our emotions, our energy in ourselves, you know, it really truly is. And, and it's not discounting that we need conventional medicine. We need surgeons. We need advancements. We need to push medicine forward. That absolutely needs to happen, but not at the loss of what we know to be true, which is our thoughts affect our body. And I feel like that's for me where the disconnect became as a medical student and a resident, we very much pathologize things and we get the label and we get the pill and are we doing the right prescription? And, and we forget that there's an ancient wisdom to our bodies that, that we need to tap into. And that's where the holistic and functional and integrative practitioners really understand. And it's the marriage of the two that we need, you know, the practical detail oriented clinician and physician that can look at things with a critical eye, but also look at the wisdom of our bodies. And if we can tap into that thought retraining, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely. Amazing. So and I, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say that exactly like you said, we are, if not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, thank, I'm so thankful for my medical training and to, to have this knowledge and to be able to help people at the same time to, for not only ourselves, for me to become aware of my own joy and how this is affecting my own self and my state of being and the energy that I am transmitting to others around me that's important to me as a physician, but I love educating people about this as well, that it's so important to your health. 
So now when I look at myself, I, I love my job. I love being a physician and I love supporting people. Now I look at it more as Dr. Danny Friedland calls it a heart-centered approach. So being, being heart-centered, I can still do the same thing that I'm doing at work, but now I always ask myself the question, okay, am I idling at joy? And am, am I bringing that in to my patients? Because it's very easy for me to figure out exactly what they need from a medical perspective. I can figure out in 30 seconds, probably like this medication needs to be changed. This needs to be changed, but what kind of an encounter is it? You know, and, and I love it when my patients um, leave in a state of joy. (laughs) So what am I bringing to them other than my medical knowledge? Oh, and ah, and that's, that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's really kind of changed how I, um, now look at this whole journey, you know, it's something I'm very grateful for, and I'm also grateful for the growth and it's, it's that same idea that we can hold two conflicting feelings and emotions at the same time. Okay. Yes. I still don't really, I'm not really aligned with a lot of how the medical system is nowadays fighting with insurance companies to get my patients the medications that they need. Uh, the, the time that is allotted to see every patient has become shorter and shorter because, you know, it, that's just how it's become. The system is, is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the part that, yes, I would love to see change, but can I, then there's a good part. One of the things that actually brings me the most joy is when I see somebody's life has changed because of something that I've supported them with. And that also brings me to another concept. And I think this is also exactly like flow. So this concept exists with flow. And I also believe that it exists with joy, that joy is not only things that we perceive as, like I said, happy-go-lucky or lying on a beach, you know, sipping a drink uh, or being on vacation. We can also find joy in things that are challenging. And in fact, that's the concept of flow that sometimes the activities that get us into a flow state and bring us the most joy are those that are challenging us in some way. That's when we lose ourselves in those activities and we come out of it in a better state. Beautiful. In an elevated state. And there's that something that I talk about. I I coach women on uh, memorizing Quran. One of the things that I talk about is the Goldilocks rule, um, which I read about in the book, The Atomic Atomic Habits, where there is a sweet point where you want to be challenged a certain amount, but it can't be so challenging that you kind of give up or lose interest. So if you're not challenged enough, you get bored. If you're challenged too much, you give up and it seems impossible. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let's pause there. You're nailing it so perfectly, the description of flow. And this is why I look back at my medical school training and I'm sure we can, well, depending on when you trained, I remember 
seeing attendings that were in flow in their day because they were perfectly balanced. They knew how to get in and out of those rooms. They knew the families. They knew what to do. They had staff. They could yell down the hallway and say, can you order a CDC on this patient and walk into the next? It was beautiful. It was like a symphony of, of almost synchronized dancing where they were in flow all day. And as a medical student, I was in awe thinking, I want that. That's amazing. And not realizing that our system changed so much that now we're not in flow because we have so many tasks. We're not just flying the plane. We're serving the drinks. We're doing the emergency protocol. It's like they've given physicians so much to do that it's impossible to get into flow, you know, but what you're discovering is your, your joy that, you know, if you learn elements of getting out of your head, getting into your heart, you know, you like to touch nature. That's one of the flow triggers is nature. What other things do you recommend to get out of your head and into your heart? One very easy way to get out of one's head and into one's heart, um, even physically just taking your hand and placing it on your heart. That is a very quick, easy way. So, you know, how's it, how that we say energy flows where intention goes. So all of a sudden, just putting your hand there, now your focus is on your heart. Now, if we take it even a step further, another way is breathing. It's very interesting because there was a study done that sh- about this thing called email apnea. Yes, where, Lester. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> where it was found that when people are sending an email or texting, which we are doing all the time, we are always texting nowadays, that people actually hold their breath. Yes. So just becoming aware of that, again, knowing is half the battle. Yes, G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah. So just realizing, oh, I'm, I'm not breathing and just taking a good deep breath that fills up the abdomen and fills up your chest. Even just one deep breath is enough that it can bring us back into our bodies, bring us into presence, bring us into our hearts. And oftentimes we don't breathe deeply, even if we are, don't stop breathing as, as in texting apnea, but we often just spend our days taking very shallow breaths. So, you know, there's so many different breaths. There's box breathing, uh, Dr. Andrew Wiles, six, seven, eight breathing, basically taking a deep breath, slowly holding it, and then making the exhale longer than the inhale. And you can even hold it at the other end. And, and even doing that just for a few cycles can, can bring us into a parasympathetic state and also more heart-centered. Yes. Yes. And I would say if we all wanted to be more scientific, if you have a Fitbit or Aura Ring or some kind of fitness wearable to track HRV, you would notice your HRV would increase. I mean, when you're more aware of your embodiment, you know, just activating this natural energy that is within um, you resonate higher, you feel better. And that's actually, you're mentioning the last step of what I like to coach in my burnout. And in my speaking is the aha method, which is AHA, like creativity, aha. And a is anchor anchor. You know, what are you doing this for? And you said this at the top of the hour, you said, I, I walk in and I ask myself in a visit, like, how can I help my patient find joy? And they leave in a joy, more of a joyous state. That's your anchor. And the next is highlight, highlight what metrics are you going to measure for that patient? You know, what's working well, what isn't highlight those movement, those milestones. Cause that's how we get into flow is that feedback that it's just enough, you know, and finally 
activate, which is embodying that energy, which you are just so eloquently talking about breath and, and, you know, vision and touching nature. All of these things are very somatically based is a great way to activate that physiology. Um, what now, in addition to painting, do you have any other creative endeavors that you like to do? I, I love painting. Um, I actually love writing for me. That is a creative outlet. And at the end, uh, at the end of our time together, I'm going to share a poem that I wrote about joy. (laughs) Oh, I cannot wait. I almost want to do it now, but no, let's wait a couple more questions and then we'll do it. Yes. I can't wait. Yeah. The other thing, a couple of other things that I learned about in my journey, as I really researched joy, I did a whole workshop on this is there's a, something called mirror neurons and that is, you know, a mirror neuron, it's a neuron that fires when both, you know, studies that were done on animals, when an animal acts and when the animal observes the same action being performed by another. So the neurons actually mirror the behavior of the other as though the observer were self-acting. And so this is something, again, when we think about joy, and I talked about my state affecting others, affecting my patients, affecting the people that I'm around, we can really tap into this. It really being around joyful people helps us to be more in a state of joy. We, We pick up so much from each other. And then the other thing is that I also learned that when it comes to memories or even imagining the future, so either going into the past or going into the future, that the body doesn't really know the difference between something that is happening now or something one is just thinking about. Right. So it doesn't really place a time on thought. Right. Oh, I love that you're touching on this, the whole mirror neurons and thoughts. And this is where visualization is powerful and starting your day with visualization or even whatever word feels okay to use manifest prayer visualization there's many words you can use but it's all the same thought process that your brain doesn't know is this happening now is this in the future is it in the past and it's it's studies have proven over and over with with athletes with musicians if you tell them imagine yourself at that three-point line and you're going to sink the shot then in a control group, if they're not doing that pre-workout visualization, mm-hmm. they won't sink that shot as much as the ones that practiced in their brain because our brain wants us to succeed. And so it like will prime it to look for patterns to make it succeed. And I love that you're talking about the mirror neurons of joy. The more that you idle higher at joy, you're going to affect the energy of people around you. It's inherent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, there is a um, psychologist of um, from before. His name is Balki, and he said that everybody should have a treasure chest of good memories. I'm paraphrasing to be able to tap into at any time. So when we look at the past, uh, we don't want obviously we don't want to be stuck in the past. But one benefit of the past is beautiful memories, and just being around with friends. Sometimes you find yourself talking about some memory you have together, maybe a trip you went on or something. And you notice how that can immediately bring you into into a state of joy. Yes, absolutely. I love how you mentioned just, you know, memories of a joyful occurrence can elevate our state, you know, and, and having those trips with friends and remembering the good times, you know, it is a wonderful way, way, like a treasure trove. Exactly. What you said is pulling out like almost like a warm, comfortable blanket that you're going to wrap yourself in. And 
the more you immerse yourself in these good things, the more that you're going to find future good things to help, you know, improve that treasure trove of, of memories. So I would love to learn, do you have a title of your book yet? So we can be on the lookout. Well, it's right now, the working title is harnessing the power of joy, which um, is really points to joy is such a powerful emotion. It's a powerful state of being how we can use that joy to enhance every aspect of our lives, whether it be health. In this case, we're talking about health and hormones mainly, but it affects everything. Our relationships, our, our work. That's the working title right now. Beautiful. I love it. And I know as all creative projects, they're like babies, you know, just getting birthed into the world. So I'm excited to watch you along the journey of how this evolves. And maybe the title will be different. Maybe it'll manifest in some other, but I know it'll be amazing. I mean, every conversation we have is always interesting and introspective and very enlightening to me. So I would love it if you would gift our audience with your poem. Would you be happy to read it? Absolutely. And before I gift them with this poem, I want to also give an action item. Yes. (laughs) One of the things that I started out my workshop, I did a whole two and a half hour workshop on joy with the same title, Harnessing the Power of Joy. I set a timer for two minutes. I told everybody just start writing and start writing every single thing that you can think of that brings you joy just keep on writing. Just don't stop. At the end, I took some shares. I asked people like, okay, how many, raise your hand. If you had 10 things, raise your hand. If you had 20, 25, 30, one person had eight. And when one lady, she was above 50 and I asked each one. So tell me, what do you, why do you think that you had eight. And she said, I am just so disconnected. I don't know what brings me joy. I couldn't think of anything. And the lady who had more than 50, she said, I'm so connected to this. I'm so aware because every day, at one point she was going through a very difficult time. She said, every single day, I wrote down things that I'm grateful for. So just learning what she's grateful for also connected her to know what brings her joy. It's interesting because Brene Brown, she said something so beautiful in her research. She interviewed about, I think, 11,000 participants thinking that she was going to find that she had 11,000 pieces of data. And she said, I did not interview one person who had described themselves as joyful who also did not actively practice gratitude. And she thought it was going to be the other way around that people would be grateful because they're joyful. So she thought it would be, I am joyful. Therefore I'm grateful. But what she found is that I am grateful and therefore I am joyful. And gratitude is one of those easy keys to access joy. So certain emotions might be harder to say, choose joy. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in a joyful mood, let's say you're you're in a really crummy mood, you actually don't want to hear somebody say, oh, just choose joy. <laughs> right. But and because it can be hard it is. You know, to just 
But that little stepping stone gratitude, it's easier to start there because in this moment, okay, I can find something to be grateful for. And then you find another thing, another thing. And that's like, it's a key. It opens up this, this whole door of so many other emotions we can tap into. And as we know, emotions, they, they have different levels where Mm -hmm. certain emotions, they kind of vibrate in the same plane. So joy and gratitude are very close to each other high on that scale. Yeah. I love that you're, you're pulling in research from Brene Brown. I mean, this is touching on like Martin Seligman's research on gratitude and positive psychology. And, and that is different than toxic, you know, positivity, because when you are looking for gratitude, it becomes this almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where you get really good at it. You get good at finding things to be grateful and that's well-supported. I think UC Davis even did a study that showed a decrease in cortisol levels and improved biomarkers of inflammation, all these cool things that happen when you're really good at being grateful. So I like that you have positioned this as a nice stepping stone into joy and what a great exercise you had your community do with listing and noticing the vast difference, you know, and that it's not that you are joyful and then you are grateful, but actually the reverse, you know, be grateful and you'll find joy. That's yeah. wonderful. And you did mention markers of inflammation. One thing that I, I did also want to pinpoint is when it comes to stress and all disease. So we talked about, for example, it affecting hormones and periods, but patients who have diabetes, for example, when I see a sudden change in their blood sugars, you know, and we have very clear metrics for this. They bring in their continuous glucose monitor. And I see all of a sudden that, okay, you've been spiking and we, we go over, have you changed your diet? Have you changed your exercise? Have you changed it? Excellent. They haven't changed anything. Then I, I ask, have you been more stressed? And they say, yes. So yeah. heart disease, diabetes, all of it, we see it very clearly. And when they see that and they make that connection, it's an aha moment for them. Like I know you like the love the word aha. And for right. them, it's an aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can directly see, oh, this is really affecting me. So whatever it takes to, for me to find not only joy in my life, but perhaps uh, maybe it means seeking help for um, stress management or whatever it is, is so important. And so Mm -hmm. that the active, uh, the uh, action item that I wanted to leave everybody with is you can try this activity at home, set a timer and just see how many things you can immediately think of that bring you joy. And maybe after practicing gratitude later on, try it again and see if it has increased. Oh, I like that pre and post outcomes even. That's great. Oh my goodness. I, I absolutely am such a fan and cannot wait to read your book before you read your poem. Where can people connect with you? So I can be found. My website is my home. It's www.sadiamianmd.com. That's S-A-A-D-I-A-M-I-A-N-M-D.com. That links to everything else. I am also on Instagram under my name, Sadia Mian MD. I'm on Facebook um, as the holistic endocrinologist. I also have a clinic. I work at a clinic in Dearborn, Michigan, Metro Detroit Endocrinology Center. Those are all places that people can find me. Oh, I love that. I'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. And let's conclude with your poem about joy. Okay. I see you in a beautiful sunny day, also in watching a baby play. 
I feel you when I allow myself to just be. Let my feet touch the grass and notice the trees. It can be as simple as savoring my morning tea or walking along the beach and smelling the sea. Many have lost you over the years, replacing you with worry, stress, and fears. I am also guilty of this, my dear friend. It was not the way I wanted things to end. So I took a chance and invited you back into my life. To my surprise, you washed away so much grief, heaviness, and strife. It was me who needed you and not the other way around. I am in awe of all the gifts I've found. Since reconnecting with you, I've allowed myself to feel, gotten out of my head, and appreciated what's real. I hope you can be a part of everyone's life, every man, woman, girl, and boy. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, dearest Joy. Oh my goodness, it's not often that I have no words, but I have no words. That is beautiful. Dr. Sadia, we are so blessed to have your joy. And thank you so much for spreading it to everybody around the world. Thank you again for being on the Catalyst podcast. And for all our listeners, please like and subscribe, follow Dr. Sadia and keep coloring outside the lines. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Catalyst podcast. If you're a holistic or integrative practitioner running your own clinic, let me help you make yours unique and creative with customizable functional medicine infographics. I have two subscription platforms to choose from. You'll have immediate access to over 56 infographics covering topics from mitochondria to gut to hormones to toxins. Premium subscribers get full editing capabilities. So you can add your own logo, change texts, fonts, etc. It's perfect for patient handouts, PowerPoints, social media, and business flyers. There are other added perks too, like discounts off of my DIY classes, a free copy of my memoir, complimentary mentoring session, and emails from inside the Catalyst Studio, my mentorship with content that I only share with my fellow Catalysts. You can learn more at drlarasalier.com or rightbrainrescue.com.